Welcome to Athletic Potables, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joined not by Jay King because he's too busy doing his job. Uh, instead, <laughs> we have another reporter from the Athletic who covers the Celtics, the great Jared Weiss, joining us from an undisclosed location somewhere in Massachusetts. Jared. Thank you for joining me right now after an ecstatic Celtics win where they beat the Toronto Raptors 122-100 in a blowout that I don't think anyone saw coming. You know, I completely forgot how high energy the intro was going to be <laughs> to the show. So I forgot I was supposed to scream, anything is possible. No, the yeah, screaming I, is my job. The screaming is my job. You don't have to do that. <laughs> and to try to respect the the show, I've added an extra J to the front of my name, as is tradition. So well done. I'm, well done. I'm double I'm double J Jared tonight. Um and we had a double J blowout out there. I mean, that was unbelievable. I uh I, I thought that it would kind of even out in the second half when Toronto went on that big run early on. And then they just kicked the shit out of them. I don't understand. I don't understand what happened. It was it was too much. It was like it was it was too unrealistic. It was too successful. It was by far the best game of the season, right? Yeah, it was the best the Celtics have looked. Um, I think since they played the Lakers in Boston. Um, but you're right. This, the Raptors got it to ten. I think it was fifty five forty five at some point in the third quarter. But then the Celtics really never looked back. Brad took a timeout. Right when they got it, cut it to 10, the Celtics went on an 8-0 run coming out of that half, and they just looked excellent. They looked, and I think it started on the defensive end in the first half where they held the Raptors to 14 points in the first quarter. Um, the Raptors, one, weren't hitting shots, but I think the Celtics, this is the first time where they really looked like they were moving on a string. I thought it was interesting to put Jason Tatum covering Kyle Lowry and leave Jalen Brown on um, Siakam. Jalen Brown giving up a lot of size to Siakam did a damn good job guarding him in the post. And I think it just all kind of spread out from there where the Raptors just, they were like Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. They could not score. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, the Celtics were just Cornholio. They were looking like, they, they were looking for TV for their bungle all night long. And they were <laughs> they finding it. it everywhere. They were finding yeah. it. It was two ply all over the place. This was like late COVID quarantine where there was plenty of toilet paper <laughs> on the shelf. It was and, flush. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I switched to baby wipes, so I honestly, I'm not the one to talk about the subject uh, with authority. But the the I think the thing that was most unbelievable about it was that Siakam was just a shell of himself tonight where, you know, a lot of the baskets that Siakam hit were really tough shots. Like the one that really stood out was when Jalen completely bodied him up going across the lane and Siakam had to take like a fadeaway floater that he hit. And it was a great shot, but you can't defend Pascal Siakam any better than that. Siakam, he didn't get to that big like Euro step where he brings the ball up over his head and he just completely crosses over the lane. He wasn't able to, to get to that shot. And there were really none no plays where the Raptors are going downhill against a set defense. Like the Celtics were moving with the flow of the Raptors, which is a complete stark contrast to like a week ago where Brad was like, what the fuck happened to our defense? I mean, tonight it was just point of attack was good. They were, they were handling Kyle Lowry. They were handling Fred Van Vliet really well. And those guys have been tearing it up in Orlando so far. And then once they had to try to find ways to play like inside out with Marcus Gasol, or they try to go to Siakam, the Celtics were able to do what they do best, which is, kind of flow with those guys in movement, wall them off at the free throw line and force them to take shots going away from the hoop. So I, I'm still bewildered by how perfectly that went. 
Yeah, I don't really know how much we can take away from this game because <laughs> it's not like the Raptors played on a, like an atrocious game and it was like a complete abomination. And uh, an abomination is not the word I was looking for. What's the what's the thing where it happens? Anomaly. I don't think it was an anomaly. It was also <laughs> an abomination. But I think the the thing that was interesting is that I think Abaka and Gasol really did not do much to punish the Celtics, and I feel like that's where we see them get hurt at least in this bubble seeding games where it's Bam really punished them, Nurkic, uh, and is punishing them in the inside. I think the Celtics really did a good job of keeping the ball in the perimeter. But you see Kyle Lowry only attempted six shots tonight. Like, I just don't see that really happening again. You would imagine if Siakam is slowed down, the scoring is going to fall on Lowry. But for some reason, the Raptors just didn't have it tonight. And I think it really started on defensive end. It started on getting back on transition. And you know what? Because – this is the way basketball works. The better you play on defense, the easier it is to get points on offense. And the Celtics ball movement tonight was so much better. And I can't tell if that's just like, cause they were playing with energy, but they were really getting the ball side to side. It felt like they were going um, less one-on-one. And interestingly enough, we had time Lord minutes in the first half. Apparently he earned his way into the rotation, but he was able to like punish the kind of the switching that the Celtics were, or the Raptors were doing. It just felt like a completely different team. And I'm, I'm bewildered by the result. Well, that's because I basically like cut goaded Brad into playing Rob <laughs> like major minutes in my last article. My last article was basically Tyler said showed that he could play really well against a dog shit opponent in Brooklyn. So come on, Brad, let's see if we can do it against Toronto. And bullying yeah, I mean, works. Bullying works. Really well. folks. <laughs> yeah, I, like Ivanka Trump says, bullying is the solution to our problems, and it worked really well because Tyler the roles that he was getting to the hoop were effortless, and then on the other end. He wasn't really stepping out of position. He wasn't getting confused like he was on the defense. Even in some of the Brooklyn game, he was just, I mean, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but flowing with the play. And it was, and then he just goes up there and he smacks the ball away every single time. Actually, he didn't even have a block tonight, but it felt like he contested at least four or five shots pretty effectively. He had some nice like deflections against Sabaka, I think, just trying to get the ball in the post. But yes, he didn't record an official block, but he just played very solidly on both ends of the court. Knocked down uh, and more mid-range shots, which, again, I think Tom tweeted this out about when uh, the reporters were laughed at when they th- were asked uh, about t- Time Lord's mid-range, and now he's just, like, easily stepping out to 18. I He thought he played really well. I think it's another interesting wrinkle. I don't know if this is entirely matchup-based, but everyone played tonight except for Ennis Cantor, who got zero minutes. And so I things I thought about the rotation that Ennis was obviously <laughs> the first man off the bench have been completely thrown out of, uh, of whack here. But you know what? I think it was just a, an all around solid performance where I, I can't think of a player who played poorly. Jalen Brown was great through an amazing across the court uh, bounce pass was four of eight from three. Jason Tatum felt like he was in his bag. He knocked down two floaters, which is not something that Jason Tatum normally does right. two in a row. Um, and he screamed and one before the ball even like left his hands, which is pretty great. He still has like uh, um, some beef with the referees. He still doesn't think he gets the calls, but he was a plus 34 tonight in 28 minutes. Um, everyone was just very good. And I like, I'm, I don't know. I'm speechless. I don't know what else to take away from this game. Brad immediately, of course, after the game is like, this game means nothing. Forget <laughs> it even happened. Forget <laughs> this ever happened. It means nothing. Do not even celebrate. But I think you have to like this is what the Celtics will look like playing at their best. And like I think this is at least in the first half, 
It was like the best half of basketball we've seen from them in the bubble. And then, then they came out in the third quarter and played even better. Yeah, and I guess literally the only downside tonight besides Romeo Langford no longer competing for Rookie of the Year would be Marcus <laughs> Smart missed everything that he threw up there. But then he also had five really nice times and played outstanding defense too. So even that had a pretty big silver lining. And if you were watching on NBC Sports Boston, you learned that he's apparently the best pull-up three-point shooter in the league. Right? So, I mean, I think you, you take the good with the bad here. At least people are educated now that he's uh, statistically the best shooter in, in all of the NBA. The crazy thing about that is that like a year or two ago, he became one of the better spot-up shooters in the league, but he was still like the worst pull-up shooter in the league. And somehow he's flipped that, and you're not supposed to flip <laughs> that. It's way harder to shoot a pull-up three than it is to do a spot-up. So, yeah, Marcus Smart continues to be, as you would say, an abomination. I mean, an anomaly um, yeah, in a very I mean, positive way. He impacts winning. That's not an anomaly. Another guy I wanted to highlight tonight is Daniel Tice. Um, he played extremely well in the first half. He played with a lot of energy, which they highlighted on the broadcast broadcast I think that was evident um beyond just the knocking down the two threes in the corner because you know what that was just a product of the Celtics ball movement and the Raptors kind of having to collapse and you know no one's really going to guard Tice in the corner because it's Daniel Tice but I think if you like remove those threes he still just played an excellent game uh finished with 11 rebounds three assists and was just very solid defensively and I'm gonna pull out my biggest like Bill Simmons take right now are we sure Marcus All is good like, I don't – like, he just didn't look like he was moving that well tonight. Not that he's he, – I mean, he's a former defensive player of the year, but when he was on the court, the Celtics really felt like they attacked him. That's two of the, like, uh, floaters that Tatum got was basically going at Gasol. I thought Tice really just held his own and was clearly the best center on the court tonight. Yeah, I mean, well, Gasol's 35 now, right? Yeah, he's old. up there. He's old yeah. as dirt. Yeah, so and dirt's old, we know that. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and I mean, Gasol, he, he, I think offensively looked pretty in control. Although there was that one play where Tatum flopped when he was guarding him, and I thought Tatum already had him out of position. He shouldn't have flopped because he would have gotten the stop there. But yeah, I mean, Mark isn't quite as quick on defense as he was a couple years ago or even last year. And the Celtics are full of you know really athletic dribble penetrators, so that's already a bad matchup, I guess, for him than you know most other teams. So. Um, but I didn't. I just noticed just that Tice was moving with real purpose. Uh, he had one play where he he um, he flew down the middle of the lane and he jumped from like ten feet out to throw it down. And you know, Tice every once in a while he surprises you when he really gets up there with those two handed slams. So that was a nice surprise. Uh, I really enjoyed Corrales on the uh, on the press conference after the game asking Tice. He's like. Dan, you know, you're terrible at corner threes. So, what, so what's up with you hitting corner threes, buddy? And that was pretty great. Sometimes, but, sometimes you got to shoot in the corner. That's what's good. <laughs> Tyson. Uh, least thing, guys. Uh, but um, actually, it's really funny watching Tice in the broadcast. There was, I guess they came back from a break and they were reviewing something. And Tice was like really socially, uh, what's the word? active he was like really talking to everybody really chipper and that's not the daniel tice that i'm used to talking to daniel tice when you put a microphone in front of his face he's looking down at the ground he's like me german no no good you know like that even though i'm pretty sure he was like fluent in english when he came over here i'm already, sure he but... knows multiple languages and then as soon as <laughs> yeah. you take the mic away from him he's like talking shit to javante like he's apparently like a pretty fun and jovial guy and to think he's doing all of this with the psychological warfare that has been put upon him by the referees in this league. There was one call tonight where Marcus all elbowed him in the face and he got called for it. 
and he was just flipping out. There was another time where a foul got called on Gordon Hayward, and he just assumed that the foul was called on him. He's internalized this <laughs> abuse <laughs> from referees. <laughs> To be fair, I, I was very confused with that. The ref definitely went 27 with his hand. So he definitely <laughs> he definitely called it instinctively on Tice, even though Tice was like five feet from the play. And it was very obviously a foul on Gordo. The refs have implicit bias that they don't even know. It's in their subconscious to call fouls against Tice or to call things against Tice. And he's just persevering. So the mental strength that Tice has to go through to like <laughs> give this performance is even more impressive than anything well, he's done on the court. Packer, you know how we can fix this? No. When it comes tell to me. referee school, it comes to referee schooling, we need some education reform. Education, we do need education reform. We need it. bias training actually, um, <laughs> you know, it's proven to work. Actually, it hasn't. Never mind. We, we don't have to get. <laughs> no, we still have way too many police shootings, even with implicit bias training. That's okay. It's it's quite. It's not okay. I wasn't going to say it's okay. <laughs> okay was the wrong word. Yeah. It is what it is, as, as Belichick likes to say about gun violence. So back to the Celtics postgame show. Um, <laughs> I feel like about, we're, oh, go for I feel it, like we're it. already deep in the junk chore, but you, you go ahead. This is your this show. This is you a take junk it. live podcast approaching midnight on a Friday night. I don't know what else <laughs> people are going to expect. I mean, I want to take some time to slander Serge Ibaka. Um, one, he did not really do anything tonight. I think in the past he's been someone who's really punished the Celtics because of um, – we mentioned kind of Gasol's deficiencies just as an like an older kind of more plotting big man. I thought Ibaka would be kind of key to that, but he really didn't do much in his 14 minutes. Um, and he wears some scarves that I think look uh, quite silly. And I'm riding some some winning endorphins right now, and I think the scarves are dumb. There, I said I, it. I'm kind of surprised that's where you land on the scarf debate. I kind of thought you would be in favor. I know. I'm this guy. I love whimsy. I love silliness. No, it's a right? dumb scarf. It's too big, and it doesn't look good. Okay, and I'm not a fashion guy. You're more of a fashion guy than I am, but I just – it's a silly scarf, and See, I'm, I'm not here for it. I'm about flair and panache, but that's different than whimsy and silliness, even though they can seem the same all the time. It's I very know. different. To the untrained eye, whimsy is the same <laughs> as panache, but no, the real real ones, no. But, like, I don't know. What, what's It's not even a functional scarf. I don't know. But, I like, let's focus on the basketball. Because yeah, he went one for nine. They were giving went, him the threes he was bricking him. It was it, – it would – I think the Celtics, they basically it was we want to load up high and then funnel guys as much as possible and give up the kick out three to the bigs if we have to. And that gamble worked perfectly. Him and Gasol combined for 0 for 7 from deep. Siakam went 1 for 5 from deep. And they were even – a lot of those were like, you know, Toronto will hide Siakam in the corner. Van Fleet will run pick and roll. He'll get to the middle of the paint and kick it out to Siakam in the corner. Celtics did a pretty good job at getting over and rotating the contestos, and they were having trouble with those against some of the other good shooting teams they were facing earlier in the bubble, and they did a really good job of that tonight. So, I mean, it wasn't just an anomaly of Toronto shooting poorly. Like, the Celtics were earning those missed threes. Yeah, their closeouts tonight were much better. Um, I'm just remembering, like, they were Kemba being able to kind of help and then be rotate back to, uh, I think it was a land Van Vliet three, but just no wide open threes like we saw in the Miami game. Um, no wide open threes like we saw against uh, the Trailblazers. And so I don't know if it's just was some uh, a real stern talking to from Brad after the Heat game or is this some confidence they got from scoring nearly 150 against the Nets. But the defense looked locked in. And I think this is like the Celtics ceiling. But obviously, I think if this happens again, like the uh, uh, I don't imagine that it's going to go as well. Like Toronto made some runs, so the Celtics were just able to counter. But 
I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to buy into Brad's. We can't really take much from this game because I just don't imagine hypothetically if these two teams play in the playoffs, it's going to be a complete blowout for 48 minutes. I think you could take a lot from what happened in the first half. And then once they hit back in the second half, like, you know, the, the Raptors would have kept fighting back. They wouldn't have let it balloon into a 30 point blowout. They would have kept fighting back. But I think it showed that, you know, and Scal was obsessed with yelling this in the broadcast. Like, this is it. Like, this is the, so this, this is the Celtics team that can win the title where everyone's clicking interchangeability we're just we're we're saying it over and over and over again i mean kemba walker was playing like jj reddick tonight they were using him as an off-ball shooter and they were getting him wide open threes in the corner stuff like that i mean brad wanamaker didn't he have 15 tonight yeah 15 points on six for eight shooting two for two from the line still the best free throw shooter in nba history besides cozy calderon um but i mean this was the celtics offense like fulfilling its theoretical design at its absolute peak while also defending very well. So yeah, if they played like, like I feel like I'm sure you've gotten asked this a hundred times, or you've screamed this at Jay a hundred times in your podcasts over the past few months. Like what does it take for the Celtics to compete? It's this every single night, pretty much, or at least this probably five times in a series against Toronto, Milwaukee, whoever they could see in the finals. Yeah. If they can do this, which is playing their best game of the season, they could win the title. Obviously, I don't expect them to pull this off every single night. And also, it seemed like it was their best game of the season, but their starters shot mostly like 50%-ish. Kemba only shot 6 or 14. And they actually could have done a lot better, frankly, statistically, than they did. It just I think it was just that they were getting such great defensive stops and the offense was flowing so nicely that it seemed like they were playing at their absolute best. But technically, they could do a lot better than this. Yeah, not a lot of big numbers from the offense, or at least the starters tonight, Jalen Brown led with 20 points, Kemba had 17, Tatum at 18. They got a lot of bench scoring, but I don't know how much of that is just because, you know, Shemi Ojale finished with 11. He's hitting step back threes at the end of the game and taking guys <laughs> off the dribble. Like, I don't know how much you could read into that. And again, the number I'm looking at right now is they attempted 46 threes. Um, a, a lot of that is some threes, you know, people getting trigger happy in the fourth quarter, but I think the Celtics need to be in the mindset of they need to be launching like around 43s per game because that's how they're going to be most efficient. They're a smaller team. They're not going to be like banging bodies in the post. They're at their best when they're shooting up that many threes and making that many threes. So I like I like seeing Kemba having 10 attempts from three tonight. Jalen, who's continued to be very hot from downtown. Um, What's his name? No, um, Jalen Brown from the downtown district of Boston. <laughs> <laughs> But he had eight attempts. Tatum had seven attempts. So it wasn't like a perfect offensive game from anyone. You're right. The shooting wasn't great, but it was just solid. And I think um, it helped that the Raptors didn't score. Um, but you're right. They're going to have to combine just a very, very solid defensive effort and um, just ball movement like this on offense if they're going to continue. But they're in great position right now because I think Kemba is working his way back. They, and their three remaining games are against the Magic, the Grizzlies, and the Wizards, um, maybe the Grizzlies will still be playing for something. They played, you know, they actually won a game. They decided to win a game. But they're in a great position right now where they can kind of get their guys ready. They don't really have to um, – they don't need a win. They're pretty much locked into the three seed right now. They have no control over who they're going to play, the Sixers or the um, Pacers, who are tied right now in the standings. But the Pacers obviously have the um, – Tiebreaker is the word I was looking for. You know, when teams are tied, it is the, what breaks the tie. But the Celtics are in great position. And like Brad talked about for the entire 
like two weeks leading up, it's like, we want to be as ready as possible for August 17th. And so, yeah, it wasn't great to lose to Miami without Jimmy Butler and uh, wasn't great to lose a close game to the Bucks. but, you know, it's the Bucks. but they do seem to be trending in the right direction and may be hitting their peak uh, when the playoffs do start. And I feel like there's this guy named Brad Stevens that has been talking a lot about hitting their peak when the playoffs start, and that's – Everyone really is nice, on but... a message. <laughs> That's what leadership does. It really does. Um, oh, my God. Oh, if man. my neighbors are awake right now and they're just like, why is this like, man yelling? I feel like the brick should yeah. stop the high, the other frequency at least. Although apparently there's an echo in the back. But um, – that's clearly an echo and not another human being interrupting the show. Really. <laughs> um, so what? Uh, I, I just got shit. I got to read, read off my notes unless you got another segment. Oh, no, like empty, it, but empty the notes. We're pulling jump drawer notebook. right now. Anything you want to say about this okay. game. I'm going to order my notes to increasingly get the junk drawer open. First, very polished note here. Some X's and O's stuff. I thought it was really interesting. Jason Tatum, first quarter, he's got a mismatch with Kyle Lowry. So he starts posting up Kyle Lowry 20 feet out. JT, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> That's the JT. thickest man in the league. <laughs> he's thinking. He's thinking here. He's thinking, oh, Kyle Lowry's ready to flop. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that Jalen Brown tosses me over that entry there. And then Daniel Tice is gonna come over and I'm gonna kick it right back to Jalen. Wide open three for Jalen. I couldn't believe it. Brad's throwing junk offense out there against the <laughs> junkiest offender ever, and it worked really well. Anticipating the grift. Yeah. That is next level thinking. And who had the most assists among all starters for the Celtics tonight? I don't know. You tell Jason me. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. He had four go. assists. Consecutive games where he's putting up assists. Like This is a real evolution here. He had a real nice swing pass. I think it was in the third quarter to find Jalen in the corner. But it was just like the Celtics were really getting the ball side to side, multiple drives. He had that nice kickback pass to Kemba in the corner. Oh, yeah. Tatum is definitely like – I think he's dealing with that fact that he's getting more attention from uh, defenses now, and his his decision making just seems to be like as a playmaker that much better. Yeah, he. I think that it's just that he's more comfortable. I think he's more secure in himself at this point. So he's like, I don't mind passing because I'm going to get my looks. He knows he's going to get the most shot attempts. Um, you're right. I think he's like he's kind of started to figure out how to pass out of that attention, and also, um, I I think he's just having fun with it. I think he's actually valuing the pass and the assist now. And I think he actually enjoys it for the first time. Because, frankly, he's already done pretty – like, this season, he's already conquered, like, every type of scoring facet of the game. So he's looking for a new challenge already, which is, I think, a pretty good sign for Celtics fans that if he can – it takes him a couple months to turn into a de- halfway decent playmaker, like, the dude's going to be an MVP caliber player in, like, two years at this rate. And he still, like, gets his opportunity to be, like, very disrespectful by shooting threes over people that he just has no business hitting but makes him look casual. So he's he can do it all right now. Yeah, one of the things in my notes here is uh, Jason Tatum's really leaning into the Paul Pierce no, 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 yes lifestyle where he's – he had this one – I think it was, like, a, a step back in the corner where there were yeah. there was, like, 10 seconds on the clock and it's, like, Jason's in the corner sizing a guy up one-on-one. Like, this is the worst place on the court you could possibly be. Get that ball out of there. It's like, nah, I'm going to go for the worst shot in the entire NBA, a, a fadeaway corner three-pointer from behind the backboard. And, of course, it was cash money. because It was you know. nothing but bottom of the net. I think I had the same note, but I wrote, Tatum is a known sauceman sans ketchup. <laughs> so, we're speaking the same, basically saying the same thing here. Um, but he was quite good. Um, no. <laughs> Keep them coming with the notes. 
Uh, Jalen Brown, I thought that was Jalen Brown perfection. That was one of his best games of the year. Um, he has this precision on offense right now where he has like a robotic control with the ball and his footwork. And there was this one play where he drove, I think, from the left elbow and he got Serge Ibaka, I think it was, behind him. And so, you know, that's the classic putting the defender in jail thing. Usually when a guy tries to put a defender in jail, he likes to kind of like slow down and almost back up into the guy so we can kind of feel where the guy is. That's what that's the Marcus Smart special. Exactly. And JT does that too. Kemba does that a lot too. That like Kemba's really great at that. But what I thought was really interesting was Jalen, he was trying to work it so that he could go back around and get that tight seal. And so he didn't even really care about a Bach on his back. He just like very methodically got to that spot did like a, a really low dribble. And that's one of the areas where he's gotten so good. He'll lean all the way over and just kind of like pitter patter the ball above the, uh, above the court, like from a few inches up. And he does that without falling over. He gets like a low wide stance and he kind of just like shifts his lane over like a couple feet. And then he just goes right around that tight screen. And it was like an easy layup for him. And it was just, it, that was the kind of thing that even at the beginning of the season, he just wasn't quite doing. Like he was kind of gliding smoothly, but now he's showing some of that kind of tighter control stuff that JT has been so good at. So yeah, there's it's, it, it feels homeristic talking about these guys right now, but they're too damn good. You're on the Sam jam Packer podcast. <laughs> homeristic, no matter what you say, but yeah, he, Jalen Brown's ability to kind of score from, the perimeter and then also have that control and like the Celtics, it feels like when they see a tie seal, like the potential for a tie seal, they all know to immediately attack it. It's mm. like, it's like the eyes on the center. It's like when Tice is in the game, he's going to seal and you're going to attack when time Lord's in the game, you're going to throw an alley-oop to him. It's just like, there's like <laughs> that's what the magnet is. Um, but it feels like Jalen is ball handling has takes like leaps and bounds this year. And he feels that has been the best, player for the Celtics, at least in these five bubble games so far. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and Hayward's been, you know, continues to be really, really solid. Um, it was really, fu- I thought it was really funny when um, during the broadcast, they did like a trivia thing and um, Abby, which thank God it was so great having Abby back on the broadcast, chin up everybody. Um, NBC, get your shit together and don't let her go. But so uh, she like asked uh, Mike and uh, Scal who ran the most miles on the team this year or something like that. And immediately I'm like, obviously Gordon Hayward, because Gordon Hayward is cutting the entire time, running around in circles, running pick and roll, and he leaks out on the break. He's the first person to fly down the floor every single time. Of course they got it wrong because they don't watch any Celtics games. <laughs> but, um, you know, just the guys that call every game. But um, I, I mean, it's an easy one. It's a hard, it's definitely like a hard answer. But I I love Hayward's game because he's just like, he does he does as much as possible to impact the game. And the thing that he did really well tonight was cutting down the baseline and whenever they needed a bailout, they would just kind of like throw a really dangerous pass into him. And he would go up and get it, catch it, keep two toes in bounds without falling out of bounds, and then find somebody open up top once the defense has turned around. I think he found Tice for a couple of those attacks down the middle. He set up Jalen, I think, for one of those. And they were getting not just where they, like, you know, passing the ball in and out, they're literally passing the ball from the baseline to the three point line. That never happens. So they were doing all sorts of kind of stuff that you just never see an offense do. And a lot of that is just because Hayward's willing to do like all the in-between work to make the offense go. And he always makes the right read. He always makes the right decision. Like he's just very unselfish and like, it's not going to end. He only ended up with two assists tonight, nine uh, rebounds, nine points, but he's just does. I don't want to say it's like the dirty work. It's not like he's diving on the floor, but it's just like, 
very solid fundamental basketball where you can rely on him. And he's just been quite good. Um, and he also uh, got an and one and simultaneously punched Serge, Serge Baca in the face. And so Did that, he really? I missed that. <laughs> that was impressive. He, uh, yeah. It was, uh, it was quite good from Hayward. He just continues to be very solid. It's going to be high drama, high drama. Oh, the takes are going to fly when he leaves the bubble to attend the birth of his child. Uh, because the Celtics are going to need him, and there's going to be a noticeable drop-off in production when he's not there. Yeah, and they're going to lose at the conference finals because they're not going to be good enough to win without him. Or they pull off one of the great all-time upsets because they somehow win while losing one of their best players. So, Or Gordon says, you know what, I've already had three kids. I know how <laughs> it works. I've never been to the conference finals before. I don't know how this works. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? Well, the miracle of playoffs. Um <laughs> My last note, and I think this gets us deep into the drawer. Let's have a moment of silence for Kemba Walker's balls. Thank you. Thank you for, for that moment of silence. Walker assault, um, directly assaulted them. <laughs> I mean, was that was that like an attempted larceny? I feel like he was trying to take them away. It should have been called some sort of foul, but it was like I don't it was, a, it was like a half hip check, half direct knee. I don't know what's going on. I mean, if it was Marcus Smart you know that would have been a power-up and made him play better. But with Kemba, <laughs> you know, he's pretty frail right now. You don't like to see him, like, just fall to the court in a heap. But luckily he got up uh, pretty soon after that. I mean, you want to redirect the focus of the pain from the knee to a more sensitive area. So I feel like Gasol's just helping him there at, at that point. But and it might have worked because Kemba looked pretty good tonight. And him, just his pull-up jumper is and his ability to stop on a dime – is like I think it is one of Kemba's greatest skills is his just like he can shift or, or slow change speeds better than like I think most people in the league and it feels like he's doing that it doesn't seem to be like the knee is bothering him so uh, if he's able to withstand the knee thing if he's able to withstand um, direct striking to his uh, groinal region I think Kemba's looking pretty good he uh, we got three more minutes of Kemba tonight which is fantastic um, and so yeah that's. Pretty much it. The only other junk I have is I just playing a Canadian team made me remember my trip to Canada last year where I started talking in a Canadian accent eh? and uh, started saying sorry a bunch and uh, reminded me of how much I love Canadian public radio and Canadian public broadcasting. And last year when I was driving from Banff to Kamloops, um, I was listening to the CBCA and there was a whole story on Canadians apologizing and about when to apologize and when to say sorry. And now I'm just going back into my head, horrible Canadian accent again. But I love Canada. I'm sorry. It's a great place. Very nice people. Um, apparently, there's a whole Maple Leafs game going on right now. So I didn't feel like there's a lot of engagement from Raptors fans. But it would be a lot of fun to uh, for a Celtics Raptors second round series just because you can talk, start talking about Toonies, Loonies, and the province and Mounties. It's just a whole different system they got out there. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> No, nah, I'd like to go to Quebec, but uh, sometime soon, hopefully. It would, I mean, hopefully we can travel again and escape this hellscape of a country we uh, currently <laughs> live in. But who knows, eh? at least until that, we got some, some good old-fashioned hoops with the premiere, and we'll go down to the Mountie Police and uh, talk to our PM about uh, their dang rafters losing again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I have to go to the LPO and pick up a, a bottle of ice vodka to get over this one. But oh, I actually I do have a contingency plan that as soon as international travel is allowed, I am moving to Spain and I'm staying there for several years and I'm just going to cover the Celtics from there. So 
But it probably will never happen because we're America. Nobody wants us. I know. It probably won't. Last note before we go. For some reason, Draymond Green was on the TNT night. And for even a more bizarre reason, they're just going over the highlights. And Draymond Green says, Brad Wanamaker has the biggest head in the NBA. His head don't fit his body. <laughs> Unprompted. Just one Brad Wanamaker highlight. He just starts going off on Brad Wanamaker's head size. He's not wrong. Brad Wanamaker does have a very large noggin. That is true. He's like the anti-Dwight Howard now that I think about it. His so, head is really large. And he's got the quickest shot in the NBA, too. Those are not those are not, not connected. I mean, correlation equals causation in this uh, factor. So, <laughs> I don't know. That's what, that's what we're going to have to do. I think the, the, we're going to have to wrap it up there. Well, we made this yeah. brilliant discovery about the greatness of Canada and uh, head size and shot quickness. So Yeah, shout out to Brad Big Head Walker, uh, Watermaker, as we call him. And for Draymond Green for being the, you know brave enough to say it on live television. Um, <laughs> That's going to do it for us here. The Celtics win 122 to 100. Uh, if you listen to podcasts like ours, like you're listening you probably to probably don't. Right now, which you no. probably don't. If you're just a lot watching on the live stream, if you're strictly a video fan, I suggest subscribing. Um, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Uh, if you want to read Jared's work covering the Celtics, go to The Athletic uh, slash Anything is Potable. I don't think you can get 40% off anymore. But still deal for great coverage of the NBA. Subscribe to the Athletic NBA Show. Subscribe to the Daily Ding, of which Jared is a host. Um, I'm trying to think of any other things I can plug. But I think I've run out of list unless you uh, have anything else to mention. Uh, no. No? I muckrack. I don't really know what that is, but I have I don't one. know what muckrack is. but uh, <laughs> There you go. <laughs> So pl- go to that if you can. And um, thank you guys for listening to this. Ep- of- whoa, whoa, whoa. I've been messing up the outro on every single podcast of the bubble. I just can't do it. You know what? Okay, and, we, can, uh, we can edit this out. It's totally no, fine. we don't edit on this show. I just <laughs> keep going until I eventually yell, anything is possible.